Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's Joe Johnson here from 96.3 ROV doing my beer blog, which is now on episode number three. It's so far, my victims have been Tom, who is the new head brewer over at Chaos Mountain, and Allie over at Star Hill. And now I have Claire from Soaring Ridge. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Now, what is your position here at Soaring Ridge? So I am the operations and sales manager. Essentially, what that means is once the beer is packaged in kegs or cans, it's my responsibility to get it to the people. Now, when you guys first started out, at least here with Soaring Ridge, you weren't canning yet. Probably were here for maybe about a year or so before you started canning the beer? We were almost to two years when we started canning, which was a little bit ahead of schedule than we were anticipating. Really? But we noticed a demand for a couple of key products outside of just offering people kegs, which is a pretty good business for us in and of itself. But... We wanted to get the beer to the people. Now, if we're going to talk about Soaring Ridge, we have to go back and talk about Big Daddy. Big Daddy was over where Awful Arthur's Towers was, and then it became Growlers. The brewery actually started there with Sean Osborne. Here's your head brewer here. How did it go from Big Daddy to what we know as Soaring Ridge today? Big Daddy closed, and what was very fortunate for Sean was that he had built up a fan base. So he was able to work with two of his friends, We got this place up and running. I think it was about two and a half, three years dedicated to getting this place open and planned out properly. Wow, so it took that long. It takes a little bit of time. We had to retrofit what used to be Flowers Bakery. I remember that. Um, There was very limited plumbing in here. And obviously with how much water we're dealing with, we needed to get that in order. So about two and a half, three years. And we're still constantly improving and trying to build the place up. And the facade is completely different how it was before. You drive by and all of the roll-ups were completely black. Mm -hmm. And it just looked like a place you wouldn't want to go. Now you drive by, you could see right into the brewery. You could see all the tables. You could see the taps. You could see where they're brewing the beer, for that matter, right here in the back. We wanted a very open, relaxed feel. And I think we're still doing a pretty good job with that. And as you said, it is evolving. One of the biggest things that I've noticed since the last time I've been here, they added the rental bike area up front. We recognize that within the city, we have a little bit of a limited parking situation. So we've done two things to remedy that. One of them is the bike share station, which has locations throughout the city. The other thing we've done is open up the driveway behind the brewery so that people can exit from the back of the parking lot, which used to be completely closed off. We wound up with a couple too many uh, fender benders. (laughs) So now that's helped out a little bit. And the city was very great in helping us get that cleared out. Your neighbor over here allows you to have some cars park over there as well. Very, very fortunate. Our neighbors are so nice to us and that they have different business hours. (laughs) Now, we're here on a Monday, which is actually kind of cool because I didn't realize you guys are closed on a Monday. So I feel kind of special being here today. Our one and only customer today. (laughs) Sean's back there brewing some beer. We tried to get him out here to talk. He sent me to you. He said, you're the talker of the bunch. That's why they hired me. (laughs) Now, how did you end up with Soaring Rich? Started off as a bartender outside of college. Didn't find a whole lot of use right off the bat for that public relations degree. But I started with a very small brewery in Northern Virginia and learned a little bit about brewing beer because there was just four employees. I noticed there was a real gap in the organizational levels. Brewers are very, very creative people. And unfortunately, they tend to lose a little bit of that organization. So I started off 
easing into management capacities and eventually wound up in sales for that same company. Are they still around? They are. They have three locations now. They're still relatively small scale. They just opened up a sour sauce. It's called Bad Wolf Brewing Company up in Manassas. Highly recommend checking them out. They do a lot of really cool experimental stuff. And they also have an awesome brew pub with a very young chef who's insanely talented. She looks like she's like 12. So she looks like your older sister. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) So I enjoyed Northern Virginia a lot, and it was a great place to get my feet wet, but that's where I grew up, and I wasn't totally attached to living there. So essentially, I wound up here because I sent them my resume and was like, this is what I can do for you. And these guys kind of got suckered in. Well, they are stuck with you now. You've been here for quite a while. As you said, things are constantly evolving over here, and that goes for the beers as well. I think the original six beers were the same beers that were at Big Daddy. Yep, and we even kept some of the names. So Virginia Creeper was the same name. It was such an iconic name. We couldn't really get rid of it. So what seasonal beers are we going to try today? So we actually have four different seasonals for you. We've got the Paws and Pucks Red Ale, which we just released with the Berglund Center. The Boco's Finest Black Lager, which is my personal favorite. After that, we've got the Belgian Double, which is a little bit sweeter. And the last one we're going to try is the Hoptical Dream, which is a brand new IPA we introduced this summer actually have done so well with it. We're keeping it year-round. So it's kind of transitioning out of being a seasonal beer. So let's start out with the Paws and Pucks. Tell me a little bit about this beer. It's actually a charity beer. Get 16-ounce cans of it at all the Berglund Center events, not just hockey games, but it's with the hockey team as well, and we're raising money for Angels of Assisi. A lot of the proceeds from the Berglund Center sales and from our place will be going towards them. That's great to know. I was actually at opening night and did see the beer over there. Didn't even realize it was with you guys. It's a different can style. So we're doing 16 ounces, which I know is a little bit new for us. And it's a light blue label, which is also very different for us as well. But we wanted something that stood out, caught people's attention, and hopefully people will see it around the Berglund Center and want to grab one. Red Ales I like because they've got a lot of body to them. They're very simple as far as the structure of the beer. Not a lot that you have to look for. Nobody's going to sit there and say, you can taste this or that. It's going to be malty, and it's going to taste like a beer. And we love that style. It's very easy, and that's why we put it at the Berglund Center and work with them on that. We wanted something that's going to bring new business to us, but also when you produce a charity beer, you want to put something good out there, but you want to make sure it's also something people will like and drink again. Yeah, it's got a lot of flavor. I love malty beers, but it's not overly complicated. Very simple beer. I think it comes in just shy of 5%, and it's so smooth and so easy drinking. A 16-ounce can of this won't last you more than a few minutes. So how did that partnership come together where you were doing this beer with the Berglund Center? Essentially, the manager of the Berglund Center had a vision. She wanted to help Angels of Assisi. It's a cause very near and dear to her heart. Actually, every single person that works for or owns Soaring Ridge has pets too. So it's very near and dear to our hearts as well. But they wanted a locally produced beer to raise money and to keep on in the center. To have an impact was the most important part to her. They talked with one of their distributors who works with SPA Short. They wanted to know if there were local companies like us that could produce the volume that they needed with the quality that they wanted and have it still be a local product. So we're very fortunate that we were that choice. And when that happens, we work really hard to make sure that they're happy with the product. And we had several meetings where we discussed what type of beer, how we were going to brand the beer, making sure that it got produced on time. And it's become a really successful partnership. So what do we have next on here today? Next is my personal favorite of our seasonals, the Boco's Finest Black Lager. A little shout out to Botetourt County. Oh, okay. The Black Lager, it's a really underrated style. I love dark beers, but I definitely find myself getting bogged down in how dense and heavy they can be. And what's really nice about a lager yeast, it's a colder fermentation, so it's a cleaner finish. So you get all those dark chocolate flavors, a little bit of coffee, all the flavors you would expect in a porter or a stout but a clean finish. It's not something that's going to weigh you down. Exactly. That's wild. It's my absolute favorite style. You get a little roastiness out of it. 
think the only locally ones produced are ours and Devil's Backbone. It's got that rich, dark color, but mm-hmm. it's a, obviously a very light beer. Does that come from the roasting of the malts? Yes. There are companies that are malting companies, and you can order grains that are roasted to specific temperatures or specific amounts of time, and those affect the color of that malt, and the malt is what's giving you color. Hops don't add color. You can have other ingredients, like fruits will change your color, but your biggest additive for color is malts, and that's also your biggest flavor component besides the yeast, those dark malts, because they offer the coffee flavor. It's interesting, because there's no coffee, there's no dark chocolate in these beers, but the way that the grains are roasted and the flavors that they have naturally kind of creates that. I could see the excitement on your face when you're drinking this. I may or may not have been the center of our announcement for the release (laughs) because people know how obsessed I am with this product. I'm always really excited about it just because I think it's one of those underrated styles that more people would like if they were exposed to it. And really, exposure is the best way to find something that you like. If nobody sits down with you and says, hey, try this now, you're never going to learn. And we get to have that opportunity when people come through the door. I feel like a few years back, nobody was really doing a Scotch Ale or a Wee Heavy that much. Mm -hmm. And maybe because I was more aware of that I liked that style and I wanted to search out trying different ones. Mm -hmm. But it seems like they're just more prevalent now. They're there. That was the one I wished I could have had you try. It's going to be ready on Wednesday. It's our smoked Scotch Ale. See, I knew that. You were ready for it. (laughs) I'll just have to come back then. So we do the Scotch Ale with the peated malts that has that caramely sweetness. But we also add in some smoked barleys. And that adds like a hint of smokiness. In my opinion, it's the perfect fall beer. I think it comes in around 7%. You get that sweet richness, warms you up a little bit, some caramel flavors, nothing super sweet. And then you get this hint of smokiness, like a nice campfire. And it's so good. Most of the smoky beers I've had are porters. Yes. Does that just lend itself to that? The smoked malts and any kind of roasted barleys that are added to a smoked beer, they're very strong. They're going to be less overpowering with more malt. So basically, the more malt you have with it, the more it can balance out and have something to keep it from being like you just ate a wood chip, basically. Gotcha. The smoked scotch ale, we use a little bit less of the smoked malts. The peated malt is a very strong malt. It gives it a lot of that caramel richness, and that's a nice balance. Well, I cannot wait to come back and try that. We'll have to see if Sean will pull us a sample early. What's going on, Sean? You want to get us a sample of the uh, toasted kilt? Thank you. (laughs) You okay with trying something a little flat? I'll, I'll survive. (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely one that has a cult following smoky beers are a little niche my previous company was huge on experimentation we had in the first two years like 300 recipes wow craziness we were operating (laughs) on a single barrel system i could clean the tanks by picking them up they were so small i could pick them up we experimented with roushes and smoked malts and i learned a ton about those malts by way of experimentation we were allowed total creative freedom if our boss didn't say like hey we needed to brew this and he didn't show up that day. If the water was heated and ready, we were like, there's no recipe. Let's make one up. <laughs> so we did like a smoked IPA. We'd done a smoked Hefeweizen, like really, really crazy stuff. In that small of a batch, you're looking at a roughly 40-gallon batch. We were kind of using our kettles to the max. Your cost, if you were to incur a loss, your cost is usually going to be less than $100. We experiment, we learn, and it was trial by fire because our potential loss was so minimal. We got to have that kind of experimentation. And I'll tell you, though, smoked Hefeweizen is not the way to go. (laughs) I will keep that under advisement. (laughs) So what do we have next year? Next would be the Belgian Double. This is a very popular beer for us. We don't do a ton of Belgian beers. This is one of four, actually, because one is the Breath of Life. 
the white top, that's our core Belgian beer. But then we also do a Belgian IPA in this. And this is that maltier side of the Belgian yeast. Belgian yeast lends itself to a lot of fruity flavors. And I'm not talking about like getting like a full out cherry bomb, but you do get like hints of some darker fruits like plums and cherries. And it's very smooth and very drinkable. This tends to lend itself to the people that are so anti-IPA that won't go near anything hoppy. This is what those people tend to like. Okay. The tradition of Belgian beers was very, you have to use hops. Otherwise, you're going to end up with something incredibly sugary and sweet. But this is going to be just enough bitterness that you're, you still feel like you're drinking a beer, but a lot more of the dark fruit flavors. And we have this one on, and it's just around 6.5%. It tends to be a really popular beer for, again, those people that come in and don't necessarily want to drink an IPA or a pale ale. Thanks, Sean. How about that for, for service? I love it. <laughs> Fresh brewed and hand-delivered. I didn't see the smile. Sure. <laughs> Man of few words. I can definitely get behind this. It's a very popular beer. I try to get restaurants that keep Trailhead on if they want to take a break from that and try something a little bit different to introduce the Belgian Double because there are some people that really love Belgian beers out there and there aren't a ton of them being made locally. That's a nice change. I don't think I've had many of those around here. Definitely not. I think we've cornered the market on that one. I like that one. (laughs) And then the last one we have here of your seasonals. The Hoptical Dream. This is our version of a New England style IPA. Which is something that seems to really be coming on. It's a brand new kind of thing along the lines of things like Heady Topper. It's a very tropical hop. You get a lot of flavor right up front. Got a little too close on that one. You got a little close, a little foam on the nose. Yeah. So you get a lot of the fruitier hops and they tend to be what people call juice bombs. You get a lot of that flavor up front and then a very clean finish. And that has to do with the timing when you're adding the hops. Because if you add them in earlier in the boiling process, they sit for longer and they add a lot more flavor and a lot more of that bitterness comes out in the oils. When you put them in at the last minute, or if you add them in during the, uh, the, dry, hopping. the dry hopping process, they're going to be a lot more of a smell and just a hint of the taste and it finishes very clean. And that's where those New England style IPs have really come out. They showcase a lot of the new hop flavors that are coming out that people are engineering but they're also still much more palatable to people who are new to that. Is it called New England because that's where the style originated? Yes. Just like the West Coast style IPAs where there's really piney, resinous, Mm -hmm. lingering. This is almost the antithesis of that. These are going to be fruity, floral, and they're not going to linger. It sounds like I love them already. We made this, and it took off faster than we could keep up with. Yeah, I could definitely see putting a few of those down. Oh, yeah. And this one comes in just around 5%. So it's really nice. It's really a session beer. I actually took it to an event down in Danville. We had the Black Lager, which is almost 6%. We had Trailhead, which is 6%, and Tinker Creek, which is 4%. And I usually try to go to these events and give the bartenders a rundown of, hey, if somebody's looking for this, this is what we're offering that's along those lines. And the bartender's like, so that's really your session beer right now because it's got the most flavor with the least amount of impact. Mm -hmm. Tinker Creek is a wonderful beer, but it doesn't lend itself to a huge flavor profile. It's very subtle. It's very simple. And that's the beauty behind a Kolsch, but it can also be a bit of a downfall for it. There's very few Kolsches that had a ton of flavor. That's why I didn't gravitate toward those. That being said, I stopped by a brewery in Mount Airy right after it opened a couple months ago. And it seemed to have a really flavorful Kolsch in it. I was like, are you sure this is a Kolsch? (laughs) Because it did stand up more than I would think. That's actually one of my favorite things to do is go to a new brewery and try the lightest, most simple beer they have. Because that's where you're going to see their true talent, is if they can produce a clean product. You can dry hop any mistake away if you're really upset. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Add about a beer and don't want to lose it. Or you can add another ingredients or priming sugars to really fix any kind of smaller problems. Obviously, if a beer goes bad, a beer goes bad. But when you're looking at a clean-cut style, like a blonde or a Kolsch or a Pilsner, you can't hide your imperfections. And so that's my favorite thing to do, and go in and try their lightest, cleanest style. And I actually got that from a guy who used to brew for Harpoon and moved to Northern Virginia as a brewer, and he's an insanely talented guy. He showed up to my brewery where I worked previously and was like, I'll take your Kolsch. And I was like, Chris, you don't want to try anything else? I've got like a mango IPA on. I had a vanilla porter. I had all this cool stuff that I was so excited to showcase to him, and he wanted my Kolsch. But then he explained why, and I was like, I get it. That I makes totally sense. get it. That's a whole new perspective I've never thought of before. It's a fun way to go and try stuff. I enjoy the surprise factor of it because then I can try it. If I'm pleasantly surprised, I know, okay, I'm going to try everything else they're doing and hope that that lives up to that expectation. And then last but not least, specially hand-delivered by the brewer himself. Not even officially released yet. Not even fully finished yet. So this is a little premature, but this is that toasted kilt. We were talking about the smoked scotch ale. You could still smell it, you though. You smell the smoke. You're going to get a little bit of sweetness up front and then a little bit of that smoky finish, and it's going to linger with you for quite a bit. But that, to me, is what a fall beer should taste like, and Mm -hmm. I forgot how good that one is. We wound up with a cult following of that last year. We only brewed one batch, and we have a very small walk-in, so we tend to double-stack kegs, and we lost a couple kegs. And in January, we found them, and I was like, crap, I'm going to put those out in the market. And I wound up putting those out after it had been off tap here. I had people coming in like, oh, man, I wanted a pint of toasted kilt, and you're out. And I was like, oh, you can go to Village Girl. I think they bought a keg of it or such and such a place. And people would actually go to those restaurants to track down this beer because it developed such a cult following. So this is the second year you've done this one? Yes. Last year was a brand new beer to us, and this, honestly, it's better than last year's. It just makes me think of fall, and it's not super heavy, but you get the scotch notes, a little bit of caramel sweetness. Yeah, you definitely get the flavor. Oh, yeah. And then it lingers just a little bit, like a really good hamburger off a grill, kind of that smoky flavor, that char. Like the Boco one when you were drinking it, I can see that you're just as excited about this beer. I'm sorry. I love beers. Can't (laughs) help it. Can't hide it. (laughs) Cheers to that. Cheers. So, obviously, you guys have done a lot of experimentation lately. From last summer to this summer, we had introduced 10 new beers. Wow. I don't know if I can list them all offhand, but I think all of them are coming back. So, they all did very well. (laughs) They all did really well. So, after the Smoke Scotch comes out, we'll have our double IPA, which we've been doing for years, the Dragon's Tooth. And then after that, we're going to do our Belgian IPA, which we did last year. I think oranges tend to be a really good winter fruit. And that Belgian IPA... I don't know that I've ever had a Belgian IPA before. It's an IPA, same grain bill, very high amount of hops. But you use that Belgian yeast and it adds that fruit flavor in that I mentioned Mm. before. Yeah. So this one, Sean went out on a week's vacation, which was very well deserved, and left our assistant brewer, Dwayne, and myself here unsupervised. (laughs) And I used to brew at my last company. And at this point last year, I think I was like eight months into working here. And I was like, I haven't brewed in so long. And Dwayne's like, let's make up our own recipe. So we made up a Belgian IPA. Dwayne is insanely creative and very talented. He started as a home brewer. And so we were going to call out the Cats Away IPA. You know, Cats Away, Mice Will Play. But wound up not being able to get that name copyrighted. So we came up with the Rebellious Monk. Belgian beers typically aren't very hoppy. So a Belgian IPA in and of itself is kind of a contradiction. If you get any authentic Belgian beer drinkers coming in, they're going to be like, a Belgian IPA is not a thing. It's not real. 
that was a higher alcohol beer. I think it was like seven and a half percent, and it's so easy drinking. That one did almost as well as the Hoptical Dream is doing now. So we'll get to release that in December, followed by our chocolate stout, and then we do the mint chocolate and the peanut butter chocolate. Oh, peanut butter chocolate. I remember the mint. I don't remember the peanut butter. We have a device that allows us to do infusions, and so my staff gets really creative. They take core beers and flagships. They'll pick out a subtle flavor and add something to enhance that. Like we've done, my personal favorite was the pomegranate Kolsch. I could see that with the Kolsch, yeah. Yeah. Takes a beer that we've got on all the time that people may see as tired or unexciting and adds new life to it. We couldn't decide between doing a mint chocolate stout and a peanut butter chocolate stout. So we actually had the brewers make kegs of each. We released them the same weekend, and we were in this battle. And honestly, it was almost an even split of staff members between (laughs) who was rooting for peanut butter and who was rooting for mint. And it was neck and neck, but peanut butter won. So we're excited to try it again this year. Chocolate and peanut butter just deserve to be together. They really do. Although I liked the mint chocolate better. I love chocolate and peanut butter. I would not have survived my years as a toddler without peanut butter. I was such a picky eater. But the mint and the chocolate, it was almost like a York peppermint patty in a beer. And it was so good. I'm a little partial because that one I've actually tasted before. Yeah. We found out that P.A. Short was sitting on a keg of peanut butter chocolate stout. We released this in January. And I'm talking, we found it out in like August. It was sitting in a warehouse. People are like, oh, how can you let that happen? These are some huge warehouses with kegs quadruple stacked on top of each other. Things get lost. It happens. And fortunately, it doesn't have a high amount of hops because when you let a beer age, the first flavor that falls out is the hops. So we were like, they're paying for five other kegs. We'll go out there. We'll try it. and We'll see how it aged. And if not, we end up buying the keg back. See how it did. Oh, my gosh. That beer aged so perfectly because we used the chocolate stout as the base. But the adding the peanut butter in was so well done that it was chocolate, peanut butter, finish. It doesn't sit and weigh you down. I'm excited to bring that one back because that did so good. So now that you've completely riled us up and got us all excited, (laughs) when can we expect that out? We'll do that one in January. Okay. That one will come out, and then after that will be a Bach. We've been really big on lagers lately, and again, our brewers are just killing the lagering because that's a longer process, requires a lot more patience. We've worked with Sean on his patience. (laughs) He wants to be like, well, it's done. It's four weeks. Let's get it out there, and you need to try it first, make sure it's ready, and So we've been sitting on the toasted kilt for a little longer, too, just to make sure it's ready. But we're excited. We love new beers and getting people excited about styles that aren't always around. And I'm going to be honest, that chocolate peanut butter, best chocolate peanut butter you'll find. It certainly doesn't seem like you guys are sitting back and relaxing at all. You are going full speed ahead and trying out a bunch of new stuff, and obviously it seems to be working. Yeah, we've really enjoyed the experimentation. Dwayne, our assistant brewer, he'll start and test a recipe at home on his own time. And he's brought forth a ton of really excellent recipes. He's the one who's responsible for the Shenandoah Session IPA, which is a very popular beer that we do. We did the Rebellious Monk together, and he's my go-to when I'm like, we need something different. We need to try something new. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Because Sean is insanely consistent with his six core beers that he makes, and he can pick up a new recipe and brew it perfectly. But Dwayne is that creative driving force that we really needed, and it's, like you said, full steam ahead. It balances out that way. Perfect team. One of the beers that you don't have right now, but we will going into next year, was the... The Breath of Life. It was you and nine other breweries came together. Yes. You agreed on a concept. You agreed on the main ingredients, Mm -hmm. but then everybody went and brewed their own. Yeah. For someone who's as nerdy about beer as I am, it's incredibly cool to show people that just taking these same four core ingredients, you can really make totally different styles of beers just by tweaking one thing. Like even just if we were to follow all the same recipes everywhere, it would still have differences based on who's using what water, how they're treating that water, what temperature they're using that water at. 
So beer, it's four main ingredients, so it's very simple on the outside, but it's very nuanced. And it was really cool to go and try everyone's. I definitely had like a drunken week with that. <laughs> the Brewer's Ball was the event that that all led up to. Great event, first year that event. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, first year event here in Roanoke. It's mm-hmm. been going on, I believe, in Richmond for a, a few years. years now. And they also had one in Charlottesville this year for the first time. We are definitely looking forward to that event again next year. It'll be a fun time. And it was so neat how everybody came together for that. There's not much competition between brewers in town. Everybody wants to help everybody. It's a very inclusive community. I actually started off in wine when I was in college. I helped run a winery and it's very cutthroat. Beer is a lot more laid back. I mean, you still need to make sure your business succeeds, but a lot of what the brewery owners have realized is they benefit each other by sending each other their way. Like we will work really, really closely as Big Glick gets through their opening week stuff. We'll be working really, really closely with them. They've been excellent neighbors to have and now they're even closer. So we get to bother them even more. (laughs) The breweries that are opening up in Salem, they've had a lot of help from everybody in the community. We all want to help each other out. So back to that breath of life you were talking about, everyone used rose hips in the beer, which is a rare ingredient. It wasn't super short notice, but within a limited time frame, it can be a little difficult to get a hold of. We were very fortunate. Parkway was like, oh, well, we've got connections. We'll order it. We'll portion it out for everybody. You just got to come pick it up. That's the kind of community that we're in, is that everyone's willing to help everybody else out. You mentioned the expansion of Big Lick. Yeah. An amazing facility, especially if so anybody beautiful. had been to the original Nano Brewery, to see mm-hmm. them go from that to the facility they're in now. Talk about growing by leaps and bounds. That is a, a major, major step up. So mm-hmm. great job for those guys. And that was capping off just over a month of grand openings. We had the grand reopening of Big Lick. Two weeks before that, we had the grand opening of Star Hill. Mm-hmm. And I think three weeks before that, we had the grand opening of the Deschutes yep. pub in downtown. It's been a whirlwind with openings and relaunches here in the last month or so. As of August, we had double the amount of breweries in the region as we did this time last year. So how does it feel to be the older statesman at, what, three, four years old? It kind of feels a little odd. I feel like we're still finding our footing and where we're going to fit in. It feels a little weird to be a senior brewery. (laughs) But Sean, I mean, has been doing this, like we mentioned earlier, for a good long time now with a lot of the same recipes. So that helps us, I think, a little bit. Another thing that I think is so neat about all the breweries is the family atmosphere. Mm -hmm. It's not like going to a bar. Unfortunately, we changed the law in Virginia where you can't bring the dogs in anymore, which is disappointing. There's a... There's a catch on that one. Oh, is there? Okay. So you can have dogs in the brewery if there is a wall between your equipment and your serving area, which we don't have. We have a railing. Ah, I got you. Uh, But what we use as our wall is our front entrance with all the garage doors. And so we have that patio area, which we're building out and we're going to finish up hopefully by the spring is our pet friendly area. And you also have doubled, if not more, the size of your patio out here. Oh, yeah. We bought furniture and made an attempt to expand that this summer just because we knew we had to keep up with all these outdoor spaces. And that law change really is a huge hindrance because this is such an open space. We were so dog friendly before. A slow Saturday, you had three, regardless of how many people were there you had at least three dogs we all used to bring our dogs in mine used to hang out in my office i feel like people will find a way people always find a way we've still been able to do pups and pints where we work with a rotating selection of shelters like the Roanoke Valley SPCA, Angels of Assisi. We did one with Smiles based out of Fincastle. They do pets for veterans. Okay. And then we've got another one with the Roanoke Valley SPCA coming up next month. They bring adoptable animals, and they get to sit out under a tent. We have dog bowls, and it gets the animals out of the shelters. Franklin County Humane Society did an event with us, and they wound up with, like, 
six applications that day. Wow, that's great. But they also brought like close to 30 dogs to the brewery. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little more than we were expecting. Now, going back to the whole family atmosphere, that's completely different than if you were at a bar, obviously. You don't want to see kids running around Mm -hmm. the bar. Yeah, and especially being owned by three families. There are soon to be eight kids between all three owners. Right now we're at seven and seven months. Our customer base, the people with income and time to spare, those are the people that have kids. We don't want to exclude them. Actually, one of our owners, his son loves to have his birthday party here. So we have a bounce house in the back. Is that only for the kids? Unfortunately, it's like a kid-sized bounce house. I'm too tall for it, and I'm not even like a full-sized adult. But we want to make sure that people who want to come out and have craft beer aren't limited to that bar atmosphere. We keep games. We keep coloring supplies. We're not ever going to discourage people from bringing their kids in. If they become a little rambunctious, obviously that needs to be addressed because then it's just impacting everyone's experience. But we love having the families come out, and it gets people into the door that would otherwise need a babysitter. There's been so much talk about this becoming a beer tourist town, which is something I do wherever I go. I always try and map out what breweries are along the way. But are you still seeing local people that are just discovering, hey, you know what? There is something better than Bud Light. Yeah. So the best example of that I have is our next door neighbors, Mountain Roofing. And we have one customer who started off as a Miller Lite guy and worked his way in through like Tinker Creek Kolsch. And now he is a diehard Belgian double fan. When that's not there, he's drinking the IPAs. Wow. And that took place over the course of a couple of years. But since I've been here, which is almost two years, he's been drinking IPAs, dark beers. And he's slowly encouraging people that are coming over. We had a guy who worked at Mount Roofing who also was like a Mick Ultra, really light beer kind of guy. He got hooked on Oktoberfest and kind of broke his heart when we ran out of that. (laughs) But it's really cool to expose people to that and get people coming in. We do a lot of private events where people come in and they maybe don't realize that everything being produced here is made on site. So when they come in and they look for a light domestic beer, we don't have that, but we have something close to that. And we can kind of introduce them. It's amazing how many people will start with a Tinker Creek or a White Top, which is another light one. It's a Belgian Whip. And they'll say, okay, I like that, but I want more flavor now. And they catch this bug where they come in. We have a group of contractors that comes in quarterly. And there are guys that are like, what was that thing you had me drinking last time? And they'll be on like Trailhead, which is a dark brown yeah, ale that brown. they're not, that they wouldn't normally drink. Which is probably my favorite beer that you guys make. It's consistently one of my favorites too. And I get caught up in the seasonals and the experimentation that we do. And then I go out to places like Cornerstone. And that Trailhead's always on a Cornerstone. I'll grab one and I'm like, oh man. This is so good. Well, I tell you what, this has been very informative for me with regard to Soaring Ridge. I've been coming here for a while, but I learned more about some of your beers and some of the new direction that you guys are taking than I even knew. We're really excited. I'm happy to be informing the people. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out. Thank you for the beverages, of course, and thank you for opening your doors on a Monday. Don't try and come here on a Monday, by the way. They're closed. (laughs) You can come look in the window if you want to. You can look really pitifully in the window, and I might take a pittance on you, (laughs) but I got to get a lot of paperwork done. What are your hours here normally? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we open up at 4, shut down at 9. Saturdays, we're opening up at 2, closing at 9. And Sundays, we do 12 to 6. And, of course, they could find you online as well. Soaringridge.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. So stop on by and check it out right here on Shenandoah Avenue, downtown Roanoke. Thank you so much for coming out. Keep up the good work. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.